Welcome back, loyal listeners. I am McLean. I am Adam. And one of us is always right. Today, we are going to be getting excited and talking about some recent trailers. There were two Marvel trailers that dropped this week. Are we going to talk about them? Probably. Last week, I recommended to Adam that he watch the movie Ready or Not to get psyched for Halloween, and we're going to talk about his reaction to the film. Then Adam is going to turn the tables and recommend two movies or TV shows that he thinks I might enjoy, potentially pushing me to try something a bit outside my comfort zone. I'll pick one of those to watch for next week. And finally, we will have a blast from the past where we talk about some lost gems from the previous years in movies and TV shows. So getting things started with Let's Get Excited. Adam, what is a trailer that got you excited this week? Well, yes, there were two Marvel trailers that did excite me. However, I am not going to talk about one of them. And I'm also not going to talk about the other one. Yeah. So I am going to bring up a movie called The Menu. Oh, Which yeah, yeah, I think looked like a lot of um, I don't want to say fun because it's a horror comedy, but <laughs> um, it looked intriguing, <laughs> uh, entertaining, I guess, or better words. Um, but uh, the real brief synopsis is a couple travels to a coastal island to eat in an, an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. So obviously it's a horror comedy. Um, it's got uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Nicholas Holt, who we all remember from Beast and uh, Warm Bodies, and um, yeah, and Max Fury Road, he's been all over the place. Um, well, and Anya Taylor Joy, we just saw in a previous episode in Last Night yep. in Soho. So yeah, we just saw her in Last Night in Soho. Um, I feel show. like I'm dragging you into the horror comedy <laughs> world a little bit, uh, <laughs> maybe. But this one, uh, this one looks uh, a lot of fun. The uh, right. uh, the chef is Ralph Fiennes, who's always fun to watch. I think he does a great job in pretty much everything he does. Uh, I think he's a little bit underrated and doesn't get cast enough. But the producers are Adam McKay, Will Ferrell, and Betsy Koch. So yeah. uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell tagging up to do something together is always, I think, uh, worth a shot regardless of genre. You kind of have to set – if if you like them, you have to set genre aside a little bit and step in and um, – see what they do because um, they've been so successful in the past. That's yeah. what I'm excited about. The menu um, releases November 18th, just in time for oh, yeah, it's coming up. It's coming up, which I think it's hilarious that the horror comedy based around food is the week before Thanksgiving. Um, right after Halloween. So, well, right after Halloween, but right before you sit down to a big giant meal with families around a big table. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think it'll be a lot of fun. The tomato, the uh, tomato, tomato, tomato meter is uh, 87% right now. And there's no audience score because it's not released, obviously. So yeah. Um, yeah. certified fresh, but it looks like a lot of fun. An hour and 46 minutes long. So not too terribly long for, um, for movies these days. So yeah, that's my get excited. The menu. Okay. Well, that saves the other get excited for me. <laughs> Read on. I'm excited for both of the Marvel things that got oh, yeah. dropped. I thought on Monday that obviously we're going to have to talk about Ant-Man Quantumania because yeah. that looks really fun and really interesting. And then on Tuesday, they decided to step on their own shoes and, and drop the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special, which I thought looked even better. So I, I don't even know which one I'm. No, I'm I'm definitely more excited for the holiday special at this really? point. Really, I think it's really cool. I, I, I love that they are just going completely wild and bringing Kevin Bacon 
the actual real Kevin Bacon yeah. into the Marvel universe and having him interact with Marvel characters. It does make me a little sad that he might not now get to play some sort of character sure. in the Marvel universe, but yeah. it does make sense. They have already sort of name dropped him. Yeah. Uh, if it just, it, I wish that uh, it makes me wish that Peter Quill was more of a star Wars fan and we could <laughs> get some more, Star Wars actors and have like Mark Hamill join the sure real Mark Hamill. That would be MCU. a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty uh, fun too. Yeah. But I think. Yeah. yeah I've got flashback. I'm not sure about it. Um, okay. I'm, way, I'm way more excited for Ant-Man. And I think okay. that's because a little bit of our generation gap. Um, I'm having flashbacks of the Star Wars Christmas special. Sure. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm super just like, Oh no are we going to have a Wookiee family again? And like, what, how, how is like, no, what? No. Um, so I'm a little apprehensive. I like the, the, the non aged person in me that doesn't, that doesn't remember that goes, Oh yes, this is clearly the right thing to do. Cause it's guardians of the galaxy. They're one of the funniest Marvel franchises. This is going to be hilarious. Drax and uh, Mantis on earth can only be funny. Like yeah. that's, that's the only result of that is humor. Um, but well, I did do the star Wars Christmas special. So I'm just like, oh, I, I don't think, know. I think though there actually will be nods to the star Wars Christmas special. So there might yeah. be some cringe moments and some flashbacks for you. Sure. Cause I think James Gunn is doing this as sort of a homage, homage yeah. to the Christmas special or holiday special. I think it was, there's nothing. Wrong uh, with that. So yeah, I think, I think this is actually like, inspired by that and i'm kind of interested to see how they do it i think he's going to do it well i don't think i've been disappointed by anything that james gunn has done and he actually has worked with kevin bacon before because he did super Mm -hmm. which is a really dark superhero movie that's not about superheroes it's more about vigilantism right and it's very dark and and gruesome so he's actually has worked with kevin bacon before and every time i see kevin bacon in anything i just get excited because i love playing the game six degrees of separation from kevin bacon yeah and uh i remember the first time uh uh, x-men first class came out and sitting down in the theater and it's that really dark uh you know gritty holocaust scene and he gets stripped away from his parents and then the next scene you see kevin bacon sitting behind the table and i just started immediately cracking up laughing and I couldn't think about anything else in the scene because I was just thinking about, okay, Kevin Bacon's in this, and so is uh, Michael Fassbender. Mm-hmm. When does that connect now? Yeah. <laughs> it de- definitely took me out of the movie for about two or three minutes until until I could kind of wash that away and be like, okay, no, he's he's Sebastian Shaw or whatever his character is in that. Right. Um, I can focus on the Hellfire Club. But, yeah, I love Kevin Bacon. Uh, um, I like James Gunn. I'm very excited for this. I think it's going to do a good job of paying some tribute to previous holiday specials. I don't think it's going to go too far. And I think they'll have a cohesive enough story that it will rise above past holiday special efforts. Right. Um, Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm hit or miss with James Gunn. Um, Yeah. I think he does. um, I think he does quality work every time, but I don't, always find his stuff um as entertaining as i would want um sure so like love guardians of the galaxy i think they're great movies not a big fan of his suicide squad sure 
Um, so for me, there still hasn't been a good Suicide Squad movie. Um, and I don't know that there ever will be. I think it's a really, I think that trying to tackle that before you set up a universe is hard to do. But so I'm interested, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm going to watch it. I mean, I'm not going to not watch it, but yeah. um, I've got some apprehensions in there. Yeah. Are you, are you also concerned about the fact that James Gunn is now going to be one of the head sort of overseers of the DC universe? Um, or are you, well, you he's, excited to see he's, what he's, he's going to do? He's co-ed with, with somebody else I can't remember. I was excited for it because I think he does good work. Um, I don't yeah. know. Um, I think I, I, it depends on how much time he spent with Feige. Yeah. Um, cause Feige, I think is really, or at least earlier on, I mean, I think, I think he might be waning a little bit, but at least earlier on, he struck a really good balance between, um, institutionalization and freedom for the directors and the yeah. creators. So like he was really good at saying, this is Marvel. This is, you know, this is the, the V the, the vibe you need to match somehow, but you need to match it within this, sure. this character's, role or whatever. So like the Iron Man movies are very different than the Captain America movies and the Thor movies and the, than the whatevers, you know? And so I think that's what Feige did best was let, he let the individual still be individual while still having enough cohesive yeah. plug in. And so if, if Gunn has done a good job of hanging out with Feige and picking up on that, then I'm really excited. Yeah. I think the, the lesson that Kevin Feige learned, the biggest one was Iron Man two. Mm-hmm. where he uh i think they learned the lesson that you have to make a good movie first and foremost and if you have connections to other uh like future properties that's great but you can't let that distract you from the movie at hand like you right. you can't just derail your movie for 10 minutes to talk about what's going to happen in the next one you first have to just tell the story and I think you can see that even even as early as the like Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers of like, OK, well, yeah, we're going to have some nods and some hints to other stuff. But this is the movie we're telling. Like, the, Let's just get that out of the way first. And the biggest turn um, was when so. um, was when um, Joss Whedon left. I mean, that's when yeah. I think the cohesion really started to to take on another level. Um, yeah, I think he was singularly focused on Avengers, not on universe. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think, uh, we saw, uh, I, I like a lot of the stuff that Joss Whedon has done, Oh yeah. but I think age of Ultron, the biggest thing that suffered from that is I don't, I don't know if Whedon took into account character growth from previous movies. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he was like, this is where the ca- characters were at the end of Avengers. And this is where the characters are going to start in age of Ultron. Right. So I think there were a lot of like black widow, for example, has a big character arc in winter soldier mm-hmm. and her and Steve's relationship becomes much more cemented. Uh, and I, I don't know if that was really taken into account in age of Ultron. Right. And I think Thor also had some growth in uh, the dark, um, dark world, dark world. Yep. That, I don't know if that was really taken into account for Age of Age of Ultron, but I don't know. I I still go back and watch that movie all the time, and I have oh, a lot yeah. of fun with it. But oh yeah, but yeah, but I think as far as universe cohesion, that was one of the bigger yeah. That was one of the moments that really kind of let Feige really stretch to not have to battle that um, sort of um, personality that Whedon can have. Yeah. 
So but anyway, I, I really love, um, I don't want to take away from what uh, Peyton Reed's doing with Ant-Man oh, no. uh, and the Wasp. Uh, I am very excited for that as well. Uh, Ant-Man is probably one of my top five favorite Marvel characters. I really love what Paul Rudd's done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like the balance that Michael Douglas has kind of made of making us like Hank Pym, but not or love Hank Pym, but not like Hank Pym. Does sure. that make sense? Yeah. Like he's not a likable guy, but you do care for him and you want him to succeed. Right. And I think one of the things that they've done a good job of in the Ant-Man movies is making the stakes much more grounded than uh, some of the other Marvel properties. It's mm-hmm. not about, you know, this big thing happening that's going to destroy the whole universe. It's about saving his daughter in the first one. Right. And it's it's not so much about, you know, saving the world from aliens. It's about getting uh, Janet back from the quantum realm. So right. there's usually a lot of like very small stakes and that's what's driving the characters forward it's it's a personal story for them right much more than it is and and they they understand that there are consequences if this technology gets into the wrong hands but but with their like their goal in the movie is very rarely oh i have to save the whole universe right it's it's much more about how do i spend time with my daughter how do i protect my daughter how do we save my mom like that's what they're going for. Yeah, I'm I'm curious though. I don't I don't know that this movie can do that. Um, when you get a guy named Kane yeah. Conqueror, um, you know, I think you you I think I think this will be one where they push it a little more. Where you know, yeah, sure. The Avengers have been changed. Um, uh, Ant Man's been changed. Um, yeah. So there's you know they they've been through the cosmic stuff and the, you know their eyes are a little more open now. Um, you know, kind of Hank Pym's always looking inward and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Um, and they've now been a part of a world that is as big as possible. So um, yeah, I'm, I think it'll have a bigger... I'm curious, because it, it looks like, just from what we get from that first trailer, it looks like they are going to have that decision in the movie of like dealing with Kang mm-hmm. and being like, hey, I need to get out of here. You have the way to do it. I can protect your family and you can let me out or your family's going to die to, to like say, save the world for me. And I think they're going to end up choosing family over. I I think they're not going to, you know, sacrifice lives to, to save the world. They're going to let Kang out and they're going to have to deal with it in the following. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Or the next Avengers or or fantastic four or whatever it's going to be, you know? Um, Sure. They're, they've got a lot of setup they can do, which is really exciting. So yeah, but that's just my rampant speculation at this point. Right. I, I'm I'm curious to see where they go with it, and yeah, I I'm I'm interested to see how they, if they're able to strike the balance and keep things uh, as grounded as they have, or if it's going to balloon out and if they can handle that as well. Like that would also be fine. Right. Yeah. So. Which I think it kind of I think it'll be some mix of those two, which I think will be fun. I think they're going to do a great yeah. job with it. I think it'll be hilarious no matter what. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, I'm sure we'll see some of the trailers again when we go see Wakanda Forever in theaters. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's enough of getting excited. Uh, let's get into what we talked about last week, which was Ready or Not. So, Adam, you went away and watched the film. I watched some recaps, and I also watched some like director panels and stuff. So, 
I got a couple trivia notes that I can add to the discussion. But first of all, what did you think of the movie? I did not like it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. I'm so sorry. All right. All right. It, uh, it's okay. It, it um, I think the plot is a mess and going all over the place. And I think that um, it it struggled to figure out who it was. Um, so I think I think the idea behind it is kind of cool, um, but I think it needed. I, I like this is I think someone that this this needed like a James Gunn. Um, okay. Type of mind to pull it off. Um, so it just, I don't know. It didn't grab so what, me. What did you, okay. So the characters just didn't feel real or. No, the, I think the casting was, was a little shallow and, and not. Okay. Great. Um, on the, on the, the parents I thought were fine. Um, Yeah. Uh, Andy McDowell and the husband, whatever his name is, I can't remember. Um, but we'll, we'll just call uh, him Kittredge from the- yeah, yeah. Kittredge from MI one and the new Mission Impossible. Um, they uh, but the kids were just. I thought, man, I'm okay with all of you die. Like I thought that in the first 15 minutes, and I was just like, you guys are babies. Um, it felt like it tried to be, I can't remember if 2019 was a release. So I think that, um, knives out was before this. And I yeah. think this tries to be a little bit knives out ish, but with hmm. a lot more violence. And I don't think it succeeded. Okay. Knives out in that kind of was it? ensemble cast, a lot of like Ocean's Eleven, a lot of good dialogue and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And that's what I thought was missing. That's the, the writing wasn't there for me. Interesting. Did you, were you drawn in by the idea of the curse potentially not being real? Or did you think it was real the whole time? I, I wasn't really drawn into anything. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, I mean, I may have gone back and forth on it a couple times, but mm-hmm. I would have liked a little bit more um, gravitas to some of those conversations that didn't yeah. seem, that didn't really seem to be there. Um, so it didn't. Yeah, it was it was it was difficult for me. Um, okay. You know, I I couldn't get I couldn't get past the okay. So um, also, World Crook Minor. These are spoiler alerts. You know, here's your warning. Um, we're yeah. gonna talk freely about this movie. But so, how does the family grow if they kill the bride every every time? So oh. here's the thing: it's not every time. It's only if they draw the hide and seek card. So mm-hmm. every time they have to play a game, and they talk about it in the in the scene, like one guy had to play chess, uh-huh. one person had to play. Um, um, I don't remember if it was shoots and ladders or something like that, but there, there are always games that pop out, but if they draw hide and seek, they have to sacrifice that member of the family. So we see it in the first scene with the, the two boys and they're, yeah. they're hiding and they know something bad is happening in the house. Um, and the crazy aunt lady is the one who, uh, um, who ha- her husband is the one that's, 
that's getting sacrificed Mm -hmm. and she like tries to push against it at first but then by the time they capture him she's like okay i'm ready for the family and a lot of this this movie is about um when you the horrible things that people can can do because they think they have their family's approval to do it and kind of this indoctrination that our own families can kind of give us sometimes and how we need to just just sort of do like a mental check on ourselves of like are the values um that i hold strong to um are they there because of you know what i've experienced in the world and what i believe to be right or is it just because like my family tells me that this is the way to to do things um and how things have always been done so it's it's definitely a political satire movie um kind of talking about how people I, the way I, I see it a lot is the reason people vote republican is because their parents voted republican and you know their parents voted republican and they'll just keep doing it whether they think it's the right thing and whether it holds to their belief structure or not so sure. uh that's one of the ways that you can definitely see the movie that's how i uh viewed it on my first watch and how i've kind of what what i've sort of taken away they don't really outright say it in a lot of the director panels but it's always kind of there where the audience is like we can see that this is politically charged and they're like yeah we're we're not trying to hide that it's political but they don't outright say that it's left leaning so oh i don't think it's left leaning wing i i think it's anti-capitalism there's also that which i thought was the, the the far bigger thing i think that the family stuff yeah it's there but i I think you got to dig to get to it. Um, And uh, the, I don't know if you have to have a bunch of director panels to sort of kind of get your point across, then I don't think you did a good job. (laughs) No, no, this was, I I was searching it out to to find some of the like panels after the Um, movie um, and some of the talks and discussions just to find stuff. Like I said, I think conceptually a lot of potential. Um, okay. but I think that the guys who did it probably didn't know their skill set as well as they wanted to and should have stuck uh-huh. to, um, selling it and being producers rather than screenwriter director or whatever they did. Um, I think that, I think a lot of us fall into that trap of, of things of holding things too tightly because they're ours rather than, um, allowing others who have the skill set to work with your vision. That's a really hard thing to give up. Um, and so I get why they didn't, but I think they would have had a better movie and a better outcome if yeah. they had done that. No, it's also possible uh, nobody wanted to buy it. But like I said, I think sure. a ton of ton of potential in it um, and a ton of potential for, um, for sequel, for like, you know, franchising. Um, especially in today's world where it's not just like a feature film is no longer something that you have to see in the theater. You know, streaming is such a massive um, avenue right now that you don't have to make a movie for the theater. Franchises can live a lot easier on a streaming platform. Um, I think the guy who directed this, um, one of them is going to be directing the new screen movie that's coming out this year. Uh, let me just check to see if the other guy is working with him again. Yeah, it's the same directing pair. 
uh, they're going to be working on the 2022 screen. So yeah. we'll see if that comes out. Yeah, I also, I also uh, struggle with directing pairs. Um, yeah. If you if you um, if you don't if you're not best friends with that person and have like that uncanny knack of communicating without words, then I don't know that a pair can direct super well. I mean, like, sure. Like, I don't think, I think the Russo brothers would, uh, would argue against, but but I, I I, I think that there's a part of me that the Russo brothers just got damn lucky. Um, because I mean, they worked, they worked hard. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but they got they worked hard and, and took over a franchise that was already supremely successful and people were already invested in where's the story going before those guys ever stepped into the picture. And so they were going to sure. be successful almost no matter what. Now they've done a good job. I would challenge some things from some of the Avenger movies, um, but on the, on the whole, they've done a good job, but they're brothers. I mean, they, yeah. they, you know, their whole lives, they've known each other. So I, I would, I have more trust in that than two buddies directing a film. Yeah. I mean, it's just not, not something you see often and see successful often. I mean, um, goodness. Uh, what's the, uh, Robin Williams, Matt, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, um, goodwill hunting. Yeah. They did that together and that's, they were best friends and worked on it for ages before it came out. Yeah. So, they, they wrote the screenplay together. They didn't direct it though. Right, but they had their vision and handed it off. Yeah. And I think that's what yeah. Ready or Not needed to do. Okay. So, okay. I mean, if, if you like... I really thought you'd like it. No, it needed to be <laughs> it, it needed to be more slapsticky for me to like it. Um, okay. It needed to be more humorous. It tried really hard to take itself seriously, and that's not the kind of movie it is. Um, yeah. The, the, two, the two maid deaths... The, so there's, there's three maids in the movie that die... The first two maid deaths are pretty funny. No joke. Yes, are, absolutely. Are off. Yeah. The, the second one is definitely the funniest. Yeah, there are there are definitely funny oh, the moments with the crossbow, but the dialogue yeah. isn't funny. Sure. Um, and then the the brother is just like his character added nothing to the movie for me. He was just this the, dude. Um, the older brother, or the the brother in law. The older brother, the one who's already married and is part of the family that didn't yeah. marry into the family. Yeah, not uh, the one, not not wait, the, one the one who, who married into the family. No, not that one. The other one, not the so the one who married okay. in. One of the things, funny things he does, they're hunting. It's hide and seek. The the bride has to go hide, and the rest of the family has yeah. to try and find her, capture her. Then they do a satanic ritual and sacrifice her. Well, the guy who marries into the family. Um, never shot anything in his life. I don't think he's ever seen a weapon up up close and he's handed a crossbow. And so he's on YouTube searching how to hunt with a crossbow while going through this mansion, looking for this bride. That was a funny moment. That was a little bit hilarious. The the two guys in the YouTube video are the screenwriters for the the movie. But the other, the, the brother, brother, the, 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 the biological brother, um, did nothing for me for this plot. He got in the way. I thought a lot be- and, or, or was underutilized and I could, yeah, I could have without him. Yeah. So, uh, it's, um, uh, he's the guy oh, from I'm the sorry. OC, right? Or, uh, yes, he's Adam Brody. Yeah. Um, from the OC. I think he's probably my second favorite character next to, oh, really? um, Grace Samara Weaving's character. Yeah. Um, I think he, you you kind of are are supposed to sort of get the impression early that he's 
um uh because he's when when you see the two boys at the beginning he's the one who sort of like hides his brother and protects him Mm -hmm. and then he calls out that like hey i found him and they they go and capture his uncle and kill him uh as part of the ritual and they like praise him like hey good job you know yeah you're you're good you know good boy and so you sort of get the impression that he is okay with this whole situation and then as the movie progresses you realize that he actually is probably one of the ones who's against it the most uh he he's you sort of see him be a little bit disgusted when they sort of talk about like the 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 selecting the card and playing the game he's sort of the most like this is bullshit kind of thing it's not subtle at all he doesn't like it from the get-go and you can tell yeah and you can kind of read on his face that what he's doing and and so he he finds her at one point and is like i'll give you a head start because i i can't right i can't go against my family right but i'm not gonna you know kill you i can't do that but i don't have to try 100 percent. yeah so he like has a drink hangs Mm -hmm. out a little bit and then when he doesn't even go after her then he just yells out yeah he yells out where she is which is what he did as a kid as well right um and then later in the movie she gets captured for the first time they're about to do the ritual Mm -hmm. and then he poisons the wine to make them all vomit and spit up blood and uh she's able to escape and he sort of helps her escape and is like um you know i'm not gonna kill my family i'm gonna bet that the ritual was fake right and that we don't have to actually sacrifice anybody and i'm gonna hope that we didn't actually make a deal with the devil and that we're gonna survive anyway and you can survive as well like let's let's let it go and then his wife is the one who shoots him and kills him because she's married into the family for money. Right. And she's so accustomed to her livelihood that she, you know, doesn't want to risk. Yeah. The. Yeah. Not having so it, yeah. I think that's cool. I like that. Um, I love the interaction with the, the little kids when she she sees them in the, the stable and one of them shoots mm-hmm. her in the hand and she just clocks them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like there's, I, I like, there's moments, but as a whole, yeah. it, I don't think it. I don't think it. It talks to itself well. I don't think it goes from A to B as much as I'd like. And I think that that's most evidenced by the ending. So how how did you feel at the ending? Oh, so so satisfied. Oh yeah, see, I didn't. <laughs> I I I love. So in the end, she is about to be sacrificed. They don't strap her down. They hold her down because right. they're running out of time. Yeah, they and have she's able on. to like she's able to like last second. The only thing I didn't really like about the movie was the way they portray the younger brother and have him flip to mm-hmm. so that he's now cho- chooses family over her right. and decides that he wants to be part of the the family and he actually enjoys the killing and sacrificing. Well, yeah. And yeah. that was a weird twist. That only me. happened when the aunt told him, "Hey, look, you're the one who's going to take over, not your brother." Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he's got, oh, well, I can have all the money and run everything. Cool. That'll, you know. Yeah. That was a weird turn for me. Yeah. Um, so he's about to, to plunge the knife into her. She pulls out, you know, struggles at the very last second. He stabs her in the shoulder mm-hmm. and she's able to get away, get the knife and like hold them off for a couple seconds. The sun rises. And that to me was one of the most interesting parts of like, 
oh, is this going to be real? Like, what's going to happen here? I I was almost I was kind of excited for it to be completely fake and like what's going to happen now. And I liked that the aunt decides she's going to like, oh, this is just a second chance. I'm still going to sacrifice this girl to the devil. Right. And even before she says that, the guy who married into the family, who's like barely a part of this, is like, what are we going to do about her? Like, oh, even though she survived the night and they were not actually cursed anymore, she knows that we have this satanic ritual. We're going to kill her anyway. Yeah. Like we have to do something about her anyway. That to me was like, uh, oh, okay. I am a hundred percent okay with these people dying. Like, I don't care that they got, you know, birthed into this cursed family that has to sacrifice people. They're bad people now. Like, there's nothing, I have no qualms with all of them exploding. And then they do. And it's great. And they all have their own sort of individual reactions to the explosive explosions and yeah. uh the uh, Kittredge character, uh, Henry, Henry, uh, uh, Zerny is, is like, I've done everything all my life and I right. shouldn't have to die just because we failed this one time, even though his entire family is dead. And he's just like, no, 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 no still save me. Yeah. Yeah. And then he explodes and the, you know, the one kid's like, Hey, look, I didn't explode because I'm not, I can't be evil if I didn't explode. Right. And she's like, no. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I want a divorce. And then she, and then he explodes. And so, and she just gets to walk out, smoke a cigarette and watch the house burn. Yeah. And then the, the, uh, yeah, the paramedics or EMS shows up and they ask what happened. And she said, in, in-laws. And it's, that's the like, in-laws. It's the worst. Oh, that's, so good. That's, <laughs> it was so, it was so, so bad. It wasn't cheesy. It was like, it was like, it was it was bad. Like that's just cop out writing. Wow. It's just like, oh, I've written an hour and a half, and I got to add two more words, and I was just in laws. Um, <laughs> the, the 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 people exploding. I was just like, this is. I felt I wasn't attached to anybody, so mm-hmm. I wasn't um, angry that they died, and I wasn't happy that they died. And to me, that that they they that's I had no buy in to any of them in any way. Like they were just yeah. thing that existed, um, and that's that's how I know that for me the movie wasn't wasn't where I wanted it to be. Um, again, I think that's because the movie was a little confused about its identity. Is it comedy? Is it a serious, um, you know, dr- dramatic action horror movie? Um, sure. I don't think it knew what it wanted to be. And so it did it, you know, it's, it's the, the old adage, you can't serve two masters. Well, I think it tried to serve three and it didn't do any of them super well. Um, okay. So that's, that was me um, on uh, ready or not. Any last thoughts okay. on ready or not? Uh, yeah, I just, I really liked it. <laughs> I, still would, <laughs> I still would watch it again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, you, um, if you're not afraid of, of, of blood, I mean, it's not that bloody, um, I wouldn't say, I mean, if you can make it to the first 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan, you can watch Ready or Not. And that's just the reality. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's it's not that it's not that gory. The end scene when it, with everybody explo- exploding, you don't see the explosions. You see the aftermath. Like, so you see the explosion landing on people rather than the explosions happening themselves more often. Than yeah. It, um, and if it's you do more see, about just big pop yeah. of blood. Yeah. Um, the one thing I think they did really well there was the two kids die as well. Um, and we, we kind of see that they kind of deserved it as well. Um, because they did actively like take part in the hunt, which um, I didn't like at all. But we, it, 
at the very least, her, the mom and the two kids run out of the room, and then you just hear like a pop, 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 and the blood yeah. coming through the hallway. Yeah. You don't. So see, you don't actually see the two kids explode. No, but I didn't. I didn't like that they were held accountable to their to, like to what they were taught. Um, yeah, I think that's a real. Um, I just, I don't like that. I, I don't I don't yeah, I, th- I don't know when you can blame no. children for or people for who they are, but it's not when they're eight or nine years old. Sure. There was a part, though, where and I thought that was actually sort of talked about a little bit in the movie where the uh, Adam Brody's character is like, I think we all deserve to die. Mm-hmm. And his sister looks at him and is like, my kids don't deserve to die. Right. And then so it's, it, there was sort of like, a well, I kind of I hope these these people like can show some sort of remorse or have a turn or get redeemed yeah. in some way. That would be nice. But no, they're just awful. And and we, we even see the kids are like actively trying to, to right. kill her. So I didn't, I didn't like that. There wasn't a path to redemption um, that this movie. So, I mean, Adam Brody's character probably is the closest one to trying to redeem himself. But there's no, but and, there's no escape. Um, so, so like, I just, yeah. that, that bugged me that in this world only evil exists. Sure. Um, so well, if I don't know. Well, if you're going to introduce Satan and you don't introduce God, then you. So, so here's here's the the one thing that I, I did like about the third death of the uh, of the maids is she dies in the dumb waiter, mm-hmm. and uh, so so Samara Weaving had hidden in the dumb waiter earlier in the movie. She decides she's going to go back to the dumb waiter because it didn't look like anyone was looking there anyway, and she can hide from the cameras there. Yep. Um, and so she goes back. And there's a maid hiding the dumbwaiter because two maids have died. So she's like, oh, they're killing everybody. Yeah. And she's like, no, it's not you. They're not going to kill you. They're trying to kill me. Please help me. And the maid thinks, oh, okay, well, if they're not trying to kill me, I'll help them and shout that you're here. Yeah. And then she, and in that struggle, she's not the one that does it, but uh, the maid ends up hitting the dumbwaiter thing and dying. She spends the whole time there trying to save her until she dies. So I feel like her character is showing like, and her name is even grace. Like she is obviously there as sort of the, like what we should aspire to be. And I like that in no part of the movie, does she actually kill anybody? She protects herself with the knife at the end. She does pull a trigger on the, the like hunting gun, but it's actually a prop gun. It's not, it's not real. So she doesn't actually end up killing the Butler. Um, And so yeah, she she, she actually causes the accident that her and the butler are in. Yes, she does cause the accident, um, but not. I don't. I wouldn't say that she like. Yeah. She was uh, doing it to herself as well to try to like yeah. stop the car. I guess. But, I guess. Yeah. It just, I mean, yeah. It, I think it's a little bit of a cop out in a, a lot in today's world that you you're you're willing to talk openly like the devil can really exist, but the other side can't. And so at some sure. point in this family, the devil showed up and made a deal. Um, in all that time, the other side hasn't shown up. And so like that just, that that's doesn't seem fulfilling to me, um, that there's no pathway out. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe uh, this marriage was an act of God and maybe maybe. it was also, I don't know why any of them came into, I don't know why any of them get married. (laughs) Like, yeah, well, that's just dumb. Yeah. You do kind of get the impression that the Alex's character, Mark O'Brien, like really pushed against getting married yeah. and his, his, his girlfriend was like, Oh, we have to get married or like this relationship needs to end. And he's like, well, 
okay. And he was just like taking a coin flip chance to yeah live happily. I and... Could not stand that dude. Yeah. Couldn't at, at any point. I didn't like him when he tried to be good. I didn't like him when he tried to be bad. I just did not like him. Anyway, yeah, that's fair. What were your last, um, last thoughts? Yeah, uh, uh, just just a couple quick tri- trivia things. Um, because I thought this was going to be a very different conversation. I found some fun <laughs> trivia to talk about. Sorry. Um, the house that they use is actually three locations. Um, the hallways are being filmed in a mansion in Toronto, I believe. Um, and the uh, outside is actually the same house as Billy Madison. So they had to work really hard and work uh, to set dress and have it look different enough that people wouldn't like immediately guess that that was the Billy Madison mansion. Right. Um, and then the room that everything happens in. Yeah. I thought, I thought they did a pretty good job. Um, they, they talked about it in the panel of like, we worked really hard to not use any of like the main locations mm-hmm. to tip off. that it's the Billy Madison thing. And they're like, yeah, we still had to use those locations. Our set dressers just were really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then the, uh, the scene at the end where everyone explodes, that's a different set entirely. It's um, sure. I can't remember where it was shot, uh, but that was a, a different house. And that was the only place they were allowed to use um, the, the fake blood, yeah, the uh, which is why all the fake blood is in there. Yeah. Um, so all the other blood in the movie is done um, with uh, some like CGI tricks and stuff like that. They're not using sort of the same practical blood uh, elements that they wouldn't in a normal film. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I, I would still recommend it to people that, that want to see a, a fun political satire or comedy. Um, if all those things, uh, sound like things that you're interested in. Um, (laughs) I actually, uh, I talked to our mother, um, this week and she's like, I'm excited for the next episode. I'm probably not going to watch it the movie before it because i don't think i'm gonna like it i'm like no you're really gonna like it it's gonna be great <laughs> so i'm curious to see if she likes it or not <laughs> yeah but we'll get know. there um all right that's all i got <laughs> all right so uh we've done my review of his recommendations from last week we're gonna move right along to my recommendations this week for him to watch for next episode um so I'm first off, I'm really upset. What I wanted to recommend to you, I can't because we've got an agreement um, that we are picking the mainline streaming services. And if a, a movie or show is not on that, we're not uh, we're not recommending it. So there's a movie that I want to recommend that I can't because it's paid right now. It'll come back to a streaming service at some point, and that's when I'll tell you what it is. Um, but it's very good, and everybody should watch it. Now, that being said, you want to just name name drop it real quick? No, this is a teaser. Um, Okay. All right. No, it's got uh, it's got Josh Brolin in it, and and drugs. Okay. Then there there you go. I know what it is. I know what it is. So um, what I'm recommending to you this week, the focus is still um, drugs, Uh, because yay, Um, (laughs) celebrate that. The um, they're both on Netflix, um, and they're both Netflix originals. Uh, I know I've done that before, and um, I do. I promise I watch other stuff, but this week. I wanted to pick some stuff that was a little um, that I I know you hadn't watched yet that I think you'll really like that I think is very, very well done. Um, And one of them has a unique presentation of what's going on that I I think is a a lot of it's a challenge. It challenged me the first time I watched this and but it's a lot of fun at the same time. So um, I'm going to start with the movie. I've got a movie and a TV show for you this week. 
Okay. Um, the movie is Triple Frontier. So this is a um, action heist um, drug. You love a good heist movie kind of movie yeah it's more a heist movie but here's a review former special or not review the um, synopsis former special forces operatives reunite to plan a heist in a sparsely populated multi-border zone of south america for the first time in their prestigious careers these unsung heroes undertake this dangerous mission for themselves instead of the country but when events take an unexpected turn and threaten to spiral out of control their skill their loyalties and their morals are pushed to a breaking point in an epic battle for survival so um it's it's a movie that has uh, a great cast but these guys like i said they're special forces they re they reunite they decide that you know what we've done a lot of fighting for our country and that's been great and we're not talking bad about that but now it's time for us um because we want to look to our future and all that kind of stuff and so they plan this heist in south america and they try to pull it off um that's the broad synopsis the cast is where it gets really fun so ben affleck Oscar yeah. Isaac, Daredevil, Moon Knight, yes, Charlie Hunnam, King yeah, Arthur, the Gentleman, yes, yeah. and King Arthur, um, Garrett Hedlund, um, I can't remember what he's done, but I know I've seen him somewhere else, and Pedro Pascal. Tell me that's not a recipe for success right there. That's a great cast, um, and these yeah. guys have a lot of chemistry on screen and a lot of really good dialogue with each other in the middle of action. So it's a heist movie um, that this is more like heist meets um, you may not remember, but heist meets speed. So it's kind of yeah. um, it's it's a nonstop kind of a thing. So you get um, you're like in this chase for two hours. So it's it's a it's a very high adrenaline rush. Um, rush movie and it's a lot of fun i think it speaks speaks a lot to um kind of where we're at right now with with one violence in our culture and two war in our culture and drugs and how they you know all this stuff ties together it's a it's a really interesting movie it's kind of got a um the the vibe of you ever see 12 strong the Chris uh, Hemsworth movie no. in Afghanistan. Okay. Um, almost a Western ish kind of okay. like, a, like we're on the run and a posse is after us kind of thing. Um, yeah. I, I remember seeing the trailer for this uh, before it came out Yeah, and it was kind of on my, on my radar, on my watch list for a while. Um, but it just never, I never pulled the trigger and yeah. actually sat down and had the time to watch it. Um, just a, a quick, Quick side note, uh, Garrett Hedlund, you probably, I think of uh, Friday Night Lights as yeah. the primary thing. He was in that. Uh, he's also um, Brad Pitt's brother in Troy or cousin. That's what it is. Cousin yes. in Troy. And uh, he went to, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but he went to uh, Kenders High School. Mm. Um, so he graduated uh, before she was really like into the drama department and stuff. But he, sure. uh, I think. Yeah, it looks like based on his years, he was probably like a senior when she was a freshman. Okay, so. very cool. Um, so I watched this, um, one, because I like these kind of movies, but two, because I really like Charlie Hunnam. Um, yeah. I think he's an outstanding actor, um, and I think that he has done a really good job of the roles that he picks. Um, there's uh, The Lost City of... Um, See? Yeah. 
um, is a great movie on Amazon Prime, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about Triple Frontier. Um, this is a movie that if you like um, – this is an action movie that's for, I would say, not just men or not just guys or not just action aficionados. This has a lot of heart in it, so I think that it's a really good date night action movie. Um, there's a lot of, a lot for everybody to enjoy. There's, you know, they're military brothers, so they're going to uh, rag on each other and you're going to get jokes and, you know, uh, fun stuff like that. So you've got a little bit of humor in there, um, but it's very, um, very high intensity and very okay. big, adre- big adrenaline and a lot of fun. Um, so it's one that you got to really invest in. Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter has it at 70%, and the audience score is only 55%, which I think is lower than it should be. Um, and I'm a little surprised by that. So yeah. um, one of the reviews um, is Triple Frontier doesn't entirely manage to transcode the traps of action movie, but there's more to it than meets the eye. Um, so Who said that? Uh, this was uh, Karen Han Han from Polygon. Okay. So give that uh, something to think about. The other one I have okay. is the one I'm really excited, and I kind of hope you pick this one, but I'm not going to okay. be mad if you pick the other one. Um, so this okay. TV show, this is three seasons, and there is one spinoff that we're not talking about today. But this is okay. Narcos. This is one of my top ten for sure all-time TV shows. Um, okay. This is also Pedro Pascal too, right? Um, yes, this is also Pedro Pascal. Um, but he's not the star. I mean, he is a star, but Boyd Holbrook is in it as, as well. Uh-huh. The the guy that I think is uh, the the best is uh, I think it's Wagner or Wag or not Wagner, but it's like Wagner Mora, and he is a um, I believe a Brazilian actor, and he plays okay. Pablo Escobar. So Narcos okay. is about cocaine coming into America and about the startup of uh, Pablo Escobar's, uh, the Medellin cartel. And it is beautifully filmed, elegantly told, and full of drama. Um, really, really, really good drama. Um, it's three seasons long. And the um, the third season shifts a little bit to incorporate more of the um, Cartagena cartel. Um, they're both those out of, out of Colombia. So this is not this is uh, I, I don't know the term. It's it's based on real events. Um, yeah. Uh, but you know, dramatically told. It's, um, yeah, it's a dramatization. Dramatization of, of based on and, true story. It is one of the best dramatizations based on true story I've ever seen. Um, you get okay. Boyd Holbrook's character, who is Steve Murphy, who is a um, DEA agent. You get him narrating a lot of what's going on, but you get okay. it in these kind of not really um, – you don't know when you're going to get narration. And all of a sudden it pops up and you're like, oh, thanks. I needed that. It's like it's a, almost like if someone was like watching something and always had their computer ready to Google something. Um, he's he he's kind of the Google. He's like, you're you're thinking of something. And then all of a sudden you have this narration going, oh, and by the way, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, thanks. And then it, and then it continues on with the story. Um, but it is 
really, really, really well done. There are a lot of characters. Okay. So it's if if you watch, you've got to really kind of pay attention because a lot of players, a lot of characters come and go, um, but they're all important. If you okay. kind of don't remember who's who, you can get very, very easily um, backwards and behind. Um, okay. But came out in 2020. So yeah, yeah. Who, who is Pedro Pascal in this? Like, what he, is his character? He's a DEA agent. He and, he, he and okay. Boyd Holbrook are partners, are DEA partners in Colombia. Okay. Um, okay. And he's like the more undercover one because he looks Colombian or? Yeah, neither are undercover. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they're just so, tracking it down. Yeah, it's so it's 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 the real story. It's it's you know they're fighting corruption within it because Pablo yeah. Escobar at one point was making like I don't know he's I think one of the first billionaires ever, like just yeah could not have enough places to store the cash he was making, um and yeah. so uh he just had the whole government. He ran for president, I believe, um or he ran for their Congress and made it, but um uh, these guys are just agents and they're just track they 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 kind of act with um they have some fear obviously but because of um and I need to look this up I don't want to butcher this cuz I want to honor this guy um there was an uh, a DEA agent who was killed in um Mexico by one of the um uh cartels there and um that eight, because that agent was killed, the U.S. sort of kind of just like unleashed all of their sure legal firepower or whatever on Mexico. Um, Kiki Cameron, Camarena, okay. sorry, not Cameron. Kiki Camarena was the agent who was, was killed in the 80s. And so ever since then, cartels, or at least at that time, cartels were not likely to hurt or hunt DEA agents. Because yeah. if you did, then all of the U.S., would now have a rallying cry and just come yeah, after you. Yeah. At, at that point, it was just yeah. say no to drugs. But if you were to kill somebody, then you know you'd bring down the full weight yeah. of America, and they didn't want that. Sure. Yeah, the war on drugs. Uh, yeah. So this came out in 2015. What year is it set in for the story? Uh, this starts in the 70s and okay. takes us up into the early 90s. Um, and then to the middle and late nineties by the end of season three, there's some time jumps in there. Um, but most yeah. of the time jumps happen early in the first season and make sense. Okay. Um, if I, I watch only season one, yeah. will I get a full story and will it, will it make sense and will it be satisfying enough to talk about on the podcast next week? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll it'll make sense. It'll be satisfying enough. It's not um it's nowhere near the same length um or or um it's not at all like Godless where it felt long. Okay. Like this I think there're 13 episode seasons. There are 10 um, episode seasons. I'm checking episodes. to see the yeah. episode length right now. Yeah, they they average probably between 50 and an hour in length. Um Yeah. Uh, maybe even a little bit less, maybe in the high forties, but um, it's got a much better pacing than Godless. It's it's not a not a western. So there's a lot more going on. There's a lot of angles to the story that they have to tell, and so you've always got something being told. Now, when you finish season one, you're gonna want to watch season two. Sure. 
Um, it's not, it's not the complete story. It's, they found a, they found a good point to kind of pause what they were telling and then come back for season two. So, okay. Just FYI. Also, um, it, I don't know for sure. Cause I don't do drugs, but I understand there's still a lot in the U S <laughs> so the story yeah. really, story really hasn't, hasn't ended. It's sort of shifted locations and where it's from. Sure. Um, but, um, I do know, I don't, and I also want to say, um, Colombia looks like a beautiful country. My goodness. Um, I would go there and yeah, I've seen Canto. Yeah. It looks wonderful. Well, you, you watched, um, I want to, I think you watched the grand tour. Yeah. You seen the episode where they go through Colombia and try to go the whole episode without saying cocaine. <laughs> I'm sure I have seen it at some point. Yeah. They do a special where they try to take pictures of animals animals and so if okay in that episode of the grand tour they had to take pictures of hippos hippos are there because of pablo escobar yeah he was just like i'm rich i think they talked about it in the episode a a little bit i'm rich i can have whatever i want i want hippos so he got hippos um but it is really 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 well told um and engrossing and it, it just beautiful to watch all of it even like, it's just they don't shy away from the violence but it's not yeah. um it, it's it's not like game of thrones where they don't shy away from the violence um they exploit it this doesn't really exploit it um it tries to say what it was um and be somewhat realistic. Now the guns don't sound like real guns, but um, that's okay. It's still really, 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 really well done. And the guy who plays Pablo Escobar, the Wagner Mora, I'm telling you, is just stellar. Um, he, okay. looks, he looks like him. His, his, uh, I don't think he spoke Spanish before the show. Um, and it's, <laughs> his Spanish is really, really good. I think he yeah. spoke Portuguese because Brazil. Um so it's yeah this is both romantic languages yeah yeah this is my bigger recommendation uh triple frontier great if you choose that you're gonna be doing well um but this i think is really um where it's at uh okay yeah he's from brazil from salvador bahia brazil Um, okay this this is what i'm going to do because i've been kind of wanting to watch triple frontier for a yeah. while i'm going to choose that to watch we're going to watch and review it next week for the podcast um but i will if i have time this week i'm going to check out episode one of narcos and see if it draws me in and i'll report back and then maybe we'll do a follow-up episode cool. where we can talk about season one i um, think that's great. i'll report back next week and let you know what i think if i have time to watch absolutely uh, i'll be able to make the first episode is the longest episode. It's an hour long, but, uh, but yeah, it definitely looks a little bit faster paced than Godless might've been. It absolutely is faster, much more fast. There's hardly any non-talking. Um, yeah. I mean, there's non-talking. I mean, it's normal, but you're, you're, when you watch it, you're going to go, okay, this is much more what I'm used to um, kind of a thing. Yeah. All right. So that's going to be uh, next week. Um, if you want to keep, keep up with the, episodes uh watch triple frontier or if you've already watched triple frontier maybe watch it again um and get caught caught back up um and then we're going to talk about that next week and i'll let adam know what i think 
I'm pretty excited though. I, I do love Oscar Isaac and Ben Affleck and yeah, Charlie I think, Hunnam. I think you're gonna enjoy um, Triple Frontier a whole lot. Um, it's a really, it's a good, good flick. It's gonna draw you in and have All a lot right, of fun. Cool. All right, so we've heard my Next. review of Ready or Not. I've given McLean my recommendations. We're going to move on now to Blast from the Past. This is where we pick a year from the past, and we each review or we each recommend one or two movies to you, our wonderful, wonderful listening audience. Um, this year, this week, we picked the year 1983, um, just because no. we, we wanted an 80s, and it was early 80s, and that's the best 80s, and there was really good stuff there. The justification I'm giving is that uh, Halloween 3, which is the only non-Michael Myers Halloween, right. came out in 1983. So that's our, that's our very yeah. loose justification. But really, we would have found any excuse to do an early 80s. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's n- never anything wrong with that. So um, we've each, I believe, got two movies. Yep. Um, so, McLean, you want to start? Yeah, sure. Uh, so mine is, uh, I picked one of the top three uh, most popular movies of 1983 because it's just one of my favorite movies of all time and it taught me everything that I know about stockbroking um, I learned from this movie and that is the wonderful Trading Places with yes. uh, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy uh, and I mean, speaking of Halloween, so Jamie Lee Curtis oh yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis and they have a nice uh, it's New Year's, I think they dress up for uh, in yeah. the show, but they have like, like a Halloween train, not Halloween, but like a costume party train yes. that they, uh, it's a plot point in the movie. Yep. Um, but yeah, this is yeah. classic, classic Eddie Murphy. Um, Dan Aykroyd's fun too. Jamie Lee Curtis is great, but really this movie revolves. I don't think this movie would work with any other actor than Eddie Murphy. I think he brought so much to this role and he plays the homeless guy perfectly Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like trying to con people into thinking that he's a, a Vietnam vet. And then he plays like the kind of once he snooty stockbroker, once he actually like makes money and then kicks everybody out of their house, that's like freeloading off of him. Yep. Uh, he does that really well. He like actually seems to know the business side of things as well. Like he understands human behavior and like what people freak out about when it comes to watching their money disappear. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, we'll be able to sell here because all these people will freak out and they'll see their right. money disappearing and they'll think about their, you know, their hot wives and their, you know, big cars and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll dump early and then we can wait and we can wait them out and then we'll, we'll buy here and make tons more money. And yeah, that, that's yeah. a great scene. Uh, oh yeah. The, really, I, love, really I love the, it's also got, that... um, no, go yeah, ahead. It, it has, uh, Ralph Bellamy and, uh, Donna Meche, who play Randolph and Mortimer Duke, who are the yep. the two old guys. I think they're, I think they're, they're the ones that, uh, yeah, they're kind of a. The Muppets have a a mm-hmm. set of characters that I always think about when I think about these guys, and yep. they actually show up again in um, if this right. Murphy's next movie, which is coming to America. Yes. there's a little <laughs> callback. Yeah, yeah, where they get a ton of money and they're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're back. We're, we're back, Mortimer, Mortimer, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But trading places, I, I just love that. Like, it's 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 one of the most ridiculous plot lines ever. Um, like, it's 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 so awesome and ingenious. Like, the fate of everything rides on a on a farm report of um, oranges. 
yeah. um, whether or not they survive the winter. And that and like, but that's like the whole, like everything rides on this one moment, mm-hmm. but it's also the, um, these, uh, I'm almost the Koch brothers before the Koch brothers were a thing. Um, these two guys that just had all the money in the world and decided that one of, or they wanted to know what mattered more nature or nurture. And yep. so they had this little gentleman's bet for a dollar and, um, yep brought Eddie, they, they, they estranged framed and took all the money of their star people and then made Eddie Murphy, their new star people and switched. They traded places and it's just, it's yeah. so good. So good. Yeah. And I love the, uh, not the a family twist. movie. Yeah. It's not a family movie at all. Don't, don't watch this with your kids, but it, it's, it's really fun. And I love the, uh, you, you really see their character at the end, because not only are they sort of, uh, not only do they not care about these guys, but mm-hmm. they actively dislike them. Uh, and you see how cruel they can be at the end of like, well, here's this guy who we took from nothing and uh, uh, brought him up and he's actually doing really well for the business and working super hard. Are we going to keep him in our company? And they're like, no, we're not going to let our company be run by a black man. Right. And just like, oh, yeah, they're awful. <laughs> Horrible people. It's, a, it's yeah. not even about money. It's just about power. <laughs> being, right. Um, being cruel. So, uh, yeah, really great. Um, it's it's no real secret. Like like I said, this was in the top three most popular mm-hmm. movies of 1983. It's a huge hit. Rocket started uh, Eddie Murphy's career. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, but yeah. it's it's one of my favorites. And I think people might have forgotten about it. So go back and check it out if you if you've never seen it, or even if you have. What do you got? Um, I have got um, a movie that our dad turned me on to, um, War Games. This has yeah. a young Matthew Broderick in it, and um, he gets a computer to play itself for the fate of the world uh, and stop nuclear holocaust. Um, the army has a supercomputer, which is hilarious because it takes up many many rooms and has a bunch of blinking lights that don't do anything, um, and he gets anyway this supercomputer takes control of all the nuclear missiles and wants to play actual war games with russia by actually launching missiles that's the premise yeah. you get to see a lot of early stuff going on in this so you see a lot of or you see early um matthew broderick's kind of this hacker and so you see early early um hacking where you got to take your phone off the receiver and put it on a mic and a speaker and it actually ha- the phone has to talk to the other computer and um it's it's really good it's yeah, uh, early early dial up early like dial up pre- <laughs> yeah yeah pre pre anything you can think of um as far as like there was no main internet provider like the internet probably wasn't around then it was just talk it was computer to computer to computer talking only um yeah there's in- some uh uh, there's some early dialogue in the movie where he specifically talks about how he's the first thing that he did was he hacked into the phone company so that he wouldn't be receiving charges for his phone bill because he he yeah. tries like every number in California at mm-hmm. one point in order to try to find a video game uh, company and yep. accidentally stumbles onto this government facility yeah. and finds this computer that that has a number to hook into the internet. So yeah. it, 
Yeah. It's yeah. He, he I think it's NORAD is where this computer yeah. is is housed, and he hacks into NORAD, which is hilarious. Um, it's a it's a very good movie. It's very Cold War. Um, it's very you know um, where the power of people where the power should lie in our world. Um, who should make be, who should be making decisions? How much should machines take part in decision making and all this other kind of stuff? Um, this is before AI. This is basically just a computer that ran an equation and yeah. saw an outcome, and like this was the only way. And so, um, it's it's the computer learns at one point. So it's a lot. There's a lot going on, but it's basically a chase movie. Um, the military is chasing Matthew Roderick for a while um, because he hacked and they they figured it out. Um, but he's a high school kid with a high school girlfriend, and they're on the run. Yep. And um it's just it's really good. Nineteen eighty three war games. Um if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while, go back and give it a rewatch. It's uh it's a lot of fun. I taught um for a little while I taught in a technology class at a private school and um I couldn't I couldn't get the concept that computers used to be big across to my students. And so I pulled yeah. up a clip of war games and said, these rooms were a computer, not yeah. 40 computers, a computer. And that finally clicked for them. So it's uh, it's fun to see where we've come in 40 years uh, from, you know, a whole room for one computer running on tape to, you know, SSDs and our phones and building our own stuff at home that can yeah. Uh, on, on that, uh, so two, two quick things. If you if you want to show people how big computers were, really back in the day, uh, um, War Games is good. But the best one is the movie Desk Set mm. from uh, uh, 1955 uh, is when this came out, and it it's just a computer that takes up an entire library right. for just just referencing book titles. Like yeah. that's all it is and it's taking up the entire room it is hilarious um and then <laughs> um the other thing for war games there's a great reference to it in uh captain america winter soldier mm -hmm. where they they find uh Zola, um, yeah and she's like do you want to play a game? And she's yeah. like, it's from a movie. And Captain America's yeah. like, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, Scarlet. Scarlet. And of uh, course, he would watch that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, Black Widow uh, mentioned says that as they're walking in. Yeah, yeah, it looks almost exact. Not almost exactly, but it it looks a lot like the set of a the finale of for, for War Games and Super. Yeah. Very much has those vibes. Um, yeah, so that's a lot of fun. Good reference. Um, so that's my first one. Do you have another one for us, McLean? Yeah, I got another comedy. Um, that I wanted to, to pull out. Uh, this one was a little bit hidden. Um, another SNL alumni movie. Uh, this is called The Man with Two Brains. And I'll just read the synopsis real quick. The brilliant brain surgeon, uh, Dr. Michael Herfurfer, uh, Steve Martin, accidentally hits gold digger Dolores Benedict, uh, Catherine Turner, uh, Kathleen Turner, with his car, he takes it upon himself to save her life using his own surgical technique. The two are soon married, but no sooner are the rings on their fingers than the marriage begins to fall apart. While honeymooning in Vienna, Harfafer is introduced to reclusive scientist Dr. Alfred uh, Necessiter, David Warner, who practices some rather unorthodox procedures. 
Um, this is also a really silly comedy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a little slow to start with until he goes on his honeymoon and his wife, who is clearly just using him for his money, um, sort of um, throws off his advances, even after they are married. Um, and uh, she kind of leaves him alone. He goes on this sort of um, research thing to find a doctor. And what he ends up finding is the doctor has these brains in a jar and one of them starts talking to him and they end up falling in love. So it's about the romance between a man and a brain in the jar and his wife who is cheating on him and stealing all his money. It's good. It's, it's not as good as trading places, but it is also pretty fun. It's got some good uh, visual comedy towards the end of the movie uh steve martin is great in it and i think this one sort of got pushed under the rug a little bit it's i say it's not amazing but it does have a 77 percent tomato meter and a 64 percent audience score so it's not a dud by any any stretch um but yeah it's pretty it's pretty silly it's the man with two brains nice yeah it's a the yeah steve martin kathleen turner james cromwell's in there um and yep. directed by Carl Reiner. So, you know, some good people are yeah. in there. Um I may have to go check that one out again. Um it's Fun. been a long time, yeah. So yeah, yeah and eighty eighty three was a good year. The, it's got some some real gems in it for sure. Uh like the one I think you're about to talk about next. Yeah. So um for the longest time as a child, um I had a real strong opinion of my name being Adam. I figured I was just better than everyone because my name was Adam. And then came along a show that reinforced that called He-Man because he was Prince Adam most of the time. And so He-Man is by far one of the greatest ever. In 1983, we get the wonderful He-Man Masters of the Universe, which is just, I mean, I don't know. Like zany is not quite the right word but it's close. Um, it's, it's the most, I don't, I can't, it's just so badly good. Um, it does have a lot of nostalgia, um, for people of a little bit of my generation, but more your generation that I don't think you can really get past the, uh, interesting about, the he-man shows you can actually watch it right now on amazon prime yep. if you have a subscription so um some of the other ones we recommended you need to rent or, or buy them but this one is actually free available right now if you yeah but it, it's it's clients. so good um it's two seasons it's just it's a lot of fun um there's been a, a not a remake but a sort of a continuation not and not even a direct sequel that kevin smith has put out on netflix um, which yeah. is really, really good. If you haven't watched that, I highly recommend it. But it's just a good, wholesome, good against bad cartoon from the day. Um, it's really, really good. When when you had um, things like, uh, this is like a not scary Thundercat, Thundercats. So Thundercats, <laughs> you know, um, Mumra can be a little, like when he, when he transforms, it's a little intimidating. Um, you know, he's, he's he's scarier than Skeletor will ever be. Um, but He-Man was a little more softer, um, I would say, but a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. 
um, it spawned a really great movie later in the eighties. Um, and by great, I mean, not, um, so yeah, it's just, it's really great for the time. Yeah. Great for the time. Um, not great for longevity. <laughs> um, but yeah, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, go check it out. Um, Prince Adam, He-Man, um, the cat, uh, what can't, um, battle cat, battle cat and cringer. Then, and Cringer, yeah. Cringer turns into Battle Cat. Um, we get a lot of a lot of fun stuff there. Um there's it's it's very G.I. Joe esque, so plays a lot into morals and always has a lesson that they try and teach you at the end of the episode, um, which is always great. Um as a parent, I love that. Um so yeah, He Man and the Masters of the Universe. Give it a watch. Yeah, I remember my earliest He Man memories are as a kid, I had I wasn't allowed to play with any of the He Man toys. No, you weren't. Benjamin were playing with those. Yes. Um, but I was given a Beast Man and I think Clawful or Roboto toys. And those were the ones that I was allowed to play with. So yes. the others I were mine. Fond memories of the, of the very fuzzy Beast Man toy. Yep. We had Castle Grayskull and um, Skull Mountain, I believe it's called. Sure. So I say it's only two seasons. Each season is 65 episodes. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, pace yourself, but, um, do go give it a watch. <laughs> it's, it's worth it. Um, if not this one, then check out the Kevin Smith, um, you know, addendum add on, whatever you want to call it on Netflix. It's also very good. Um, and I, I think, I think it's worth watching just a few episodes Absolutely. of the old one, just to sort of get an idea of what we had to go through as children and like, yeah. <laughs> what, what passed for entertainment. We, we didn't have to go chance. through, we got to go through. Um, this, well, was, this was so sure. much fun. This was so so good. We had this. Yeah. We had uh, Silverhawks. We had GI Joe. We had um, man, all those uh, Thundercats. All those were going on at the same time. It was great. Uh, it was a golden age of Saturday morning cartoons. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's that's my that's my second one. So I'm recommending from 1983 War Games and the show He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. McLean is recommending Trading Places and The Man with Two Brains. All that can be yep. found in the year 1983. Any last thoughts, McLean? I think uh, that'll about do it for the episode. But I do want to call out again uh, our email. Yep. If you want to get a hold of the show and send us any recommendations, we have already received one fan recommendation so far. So thank you. Uh, give a quick shout out to Kirsten for recommending a, a show for us to watch. Neither of us had seen it before, so it will potentially show up on a future episode. Uh, but yeah, if you want to contact us, we are one of us is always right at gmail.com. So just the name of the podcast at gmail.com. And you Very can true. submit a recommendation or just if you want just a shout out, just say hi. And we'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, just so. let us know you're there. Let us know that you know it's not just bots listening. Um, we would love to hear from you and see. You're a bot. You're that's fine too. That's okay. You can email. Uh, us I am not going to empower the you know the Terminator take over the world uh, Skynet. Um, so no, if you're Look, a bot, all I'm saying is if you're going to take over the world, just I'm a friend and don't <laughs> kill me first. That's all I'm saying. Well. There you go. McLean's a friend of the bots and don't kill him first bots. Uh, it's been a great episode. We've enjoyed having you guys around. We are going to come back again next week with McLean's review of triple frontier and whether or not he even got a start on narcos, but we're really interested about triple frontiers and he's going to have some recommendations for me. Uh, 
We'll have some more yep. stuff that we're excited about. We'll have some more trailers to talk about. And we will have another year that we will take a blast from the past to give you guys some recommendations. Let us know. Email us that if you've got a year you want to know about. Um, and what we think would be a great movie for you to watch from that year. Let us know. That's it. I'm Adam. I'm McLean. We will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>